the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Abair. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning. And I can still say Merry Christmas Merry to everyone. Christmas. Yes. You can do that, right? That's right. <laughs> and a Happy New Year. Oh, man. Hope you all are enjoying this uh, new year. And uh, we are remembering today St. Elizabeth uh, Ann Seton. So I know a lot of people have a particular devotion to her, so we'll be talking a lot about her. And uh, we are going to be talking a lot about uh, how that uh, she ties into so many things today. But let's call on her intercession today as we get uh, this Wednesday started off in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. O God, who crowned with the gift of true faith, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton's burning zeal to find you, grant by her intercession and her example that we may always seek you with diligent love and find you in daily service with sincere faith. We pray this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, pray pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much, Johnny. Looking forward to your gospel reflection later on in today's show. That'll be in six minutes. In 18 minutes, Christine Bordelon joins us. She is the associate editor with the Clarion Herald in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today she's going to give us an update of what you'll be finding in this week's issue. In 35 minutes, Dina Dow joins Alicia in the Baton Rouge studio. Dina is the director of evangelization and catechesis for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And today she's going to be talking about starting the new year in silence and how that leads us to prayer and reflecting on Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. So we're going to tackle all of that with Dina. Wonderful insights. Always looking forward to this conversation with her. And in 48 minutes, Philip Campbell joins us and he's going to be talking about his book called Matron of Paris, the story of St. Genevieve of Paris. I actually don't know much about St. Genevieve, so I'm looking forward to learn a little bit more about St. Genevieve. Of course, our Saint of the Day, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, and also getting a weather report from Alicia today. (laughs) Yeah, so we had in the Baton Rouge area, we had a little bit of a wild night with all that uh, lightning and thunder in the area. And so our weather is moving Mm -hmm. west. So the National Weather Service in Mobile has issued a flash flood warning for western George County, southern Greene County, Stone County, and southern Perry County in southeastern Mississippi. And that's just until uh, 8. 15 this morning so there is obviously a chance of showers and those thunderstorms but before 
earlier this morning kind of petering off in the next hour or so then it'll be partly sunny uh gradually becoming sunny it's a little cooler outside if you've noticed that so uh, in louisiana it is sunny with a high near 72 calm wind will be coming from the west around five uh, miles per hour uh, currently the temperature in baton rouge is 60 degrees in new orleans 58 Ponchatoula is uh, 61, and Biloxi is also 61 with thunderstorms still in in their area. So uh, be cautious. You know, there are a chance of those flash floods. I know there's some standing water still around Baton Rouge. So as you're driving into work or kids are going back to school today, uh, just be cautious of those areas that may have some high water in them. So stick around this morning. Uh, We will be back with the gospel and Johnny Aber's gospel reflection. It's five minutes after the hour on Wake Up. Blessed Feast of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's Gospel comes to us from John chapter 1. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Kephas, which is translated Peter. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Oh, guys, I think the gospel today has these three states in life. Seems like we all go through waiting, (laughs) looking for something, and finding the unexpected. We all can relate to that. So, you know, I I, know we certainly can. We just got back late last night from taking my mom to Las Vegas uh, to see her little brother, my uncle. He had just been through a, a pretty tough surgery. So... You know, the age my mom is, and a close call like the other brother said, she said, I've been waiting long enough. It's time to go. Okay, then, Mom, let's go. <laughs> so we took her, you know, took her there. And uh, she's looking, you know, and uh, uh, not knowing what to expect. But, you know, when you go to a, go through travel like that, and, of course, we were, we were traveling Southwest Airlines, so there was a lot of uh, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And everybody in the airports and stuff, they're all waiting for something and they're looking at their clocks at the at the screens and looking at their, you know, uh, people walking by and all that. So uh, you see a lot of this kind of lived out. And uh, so we made it there and my mom didn't know what to expect, um, but he was doing doing well. So I think all turned out, uh, you know, it was a beautiful reunion. 
But in terms of what uh, the, the unexpected, some real real treats there. I had other relatives that we hadn't seen in a long, long time. We got to meet meet them and catch up with them. That was a blessing for sure. And then uh, for Mass, we found this uh, real jewel uh, uh, right among all the machines and the loud music and the beeping of the, of the Strip of Las Vegas. <laughs> There's a uh, Guardian Angel Cathedral. It's one of the few remaining uh, untouched buildings, you know, down there. And so it's a beautiful uh, experience to to have uh, the Lamb of God being raised in the middle of Sin City right on the Strip. <laughs> and I, I want to tell everybody, hey, what you're looking for out there, you know, it's right here. You know, that's what you're looking for. But, you know, so when Jesus asked this question today to, the, to, the, to Andrew and to John, what are you looking for? It really is a universal question that to everyone. Because it's more of a, he's kind of giving them a test, and it's more like a, who are you looking for? And they said, you know, rabbi, teacher, you know, uh, uh, that's, they addressed him. Where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. What a universal call. Uh, I couldn't help but think, you know, one of the questions that uh, I, I was wondering that maybe they were pondering at the apostles in their minds, but they didn't ask it was, why did John call you the Lamb of God? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. What an unusual name for John, who had been, to him, had been revealed that this was the Christ, for a name to give to this Messiah. Not just John, but later all the other, the gospel writers and the early church all found how fitting, how perfect of a name that is, because uh, it fits all of salvation history. So, you know, as Catholics, we really ponder this constantly uh, and make all these connections. I mean, we just heard uh, for over Christmas about how the angel and the multitude appeared to the shepherds in the field and in and, and Bethlehem there. And many have pointed out that likely those lambs, those sheep that those shepherds were guarding were destined for sacrifice in the temple uh, later for, for Passover. Uh, they had to be unblemished. unblemished. So this points to Jesus' uh, sacrificial mission. And, of course, we know that lambs were slaughtered in the temple at the sixth hour. And we read in the Gospels, this is when Jesus died at the sixth hour, pointing all these things out. This same John in the book of Revelation points out seeing Jesus in, in heaven after he had risen and sees that vision of a lamb standing as if slain and the food of the bread of angels flowing off the table down to us. Uh, so we, we have so many uh, examples of the lamb having to be fully eaten uh, at the Passover. And just as we Catholics know that uh, the Eucharist, once consecrated, needs to be fully consumed. Bethlehem means house of bread. You know, Jesus was laid in a feeding trough. So this, this lamb of God, as we look back and say, wow, this so perfectly fits uh, the, the title of our Lord. It's a name that uh, every time that the host is held up, the consecrated bread and wine, just as Jesus was lifted up, we can look and say, my Lord and my God, this timeless once for all sacrifice. So I think Jesus, you know, is uh, answering this uh, universal question or this universal call of what are you looking for to the world today? And maybe he, in perhaps this way, Jesus is saying, I am what you've been waiting for. I am what you have been looking for. Come and see that I am, and you will find who you are. And then just as he knew Peter by name, he calls you by name, calls me by name. And then finally says, you know, find in me what you least expect, 
but certainly you will find what you need the most to make sense out of everything. And finally, and I couldn't help but think as we're getting moving toward the epiphany here, and as the Magi were traveling, you know, that's how we are too. We're still traveling, keeping in mind that we are on a journey as well to better know what it really means in Mass when we say, you know, when we hear the priest say, Behold the Lamb of God. It's everything that we're looking for. Right, guys? So, Merry Christmas. We're still in the midst of it. That's right. That's right, yeah, Johnny. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys, too. And you know what? I think this is perfect because, you know, some people do their New Year's resolutions or what they're looking forward to in 2023. Um, and I think maybe finding a relationship with God or maybe deepening that relationship with God can be a great start. Uh, we all want peace, maybe finding that peace and knowing that it's with him. So uh, and continuing to search for that uh, and, and, of course, look to different resources that the church offers or, uh, you know, Catholic radio or different things that you can find on social media that can help you or online that can help you enhance that relationship with God. So looking forward to a great new year. So I've been seeing you that bet, a lot. You bet. Well, you know, speaking of the good news, we're going to be joined uh, with uh, Christine with the Clear and Herald. It's quarter past the hour now on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 4th. Today we celebrate Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. Now there's a familiar name, especially in the U.S. Today we mark the feast of America's first native-born saint. An extraordinary woman by any account, Elizabeth Ann Bailey Seton was a wife, widow, mother, convert, foundress of the first American religious community for women, the Sisters of Charity, and of the first American parish school. All of it came in the space of 46 short years. There is something uniquely American about the former socialite, born two years before the American Revolution. Born into a wealthy family, Elizabeth married a successful businessman, saw her husband lose his fortune and die young, experienced disapproval for leaving the Episcopal Church, and struggled to keep her family together by drawing on her talents and her desire to serve humanity. Elizabeth was invited to open a girls' school in Baltimore, which she did in 1808. Within one year, she had founded a religious community of women whose members devoted themselves to teaching and serving the poor. Mother Seton knew disappointment, death, and pain throughout her life, but she turned to God and found God at every point. Canonized by Pope Paul VI in 1975, she is buried in Emmitsburg, Maryland. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It's 19 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Bear, And we're live on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com and search Catholic Community Media and subscribe to our channel. Click that bell. So every time we go live or post a video, you will receive a notification. Our next guest, or our first guest really today, is Christine Bordelon. She is the associate editor with the Clarion Herald, which is the official Catholic newspaper in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today she joins us to give us an update on the first issue of 2023. Good morning, Christine. Thanks for being with us. 
Hey, Gabby, how are you? It must be faithful that um, I am speaking today because St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was the first parish that um, I was part of when we got married in Kenner, Louisiana. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're so glad to have you with us, Christine. And thank you so much uh, for mentioning that. And I love St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. I've actually been to Emmitsburg, Maryland, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Um, And seeing uh, where she was buried and everything, uh, it was really nice. So uh, today is a very special feast. And today is also, or this week is a very special issue uh, with the Clarion Herald. And we're going to be starting off talking about Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI and his passing. And of course, this is a very uh, special week as far as, um, you know, programming, masses, rosaries, and his funeral will be tomorrow. So kind of tell us about what's uh, looking, what we're looking like. Well, he was um, 95 years old. I mean, that, that's amazing, you know. And he realized when he got a little bit older, he was Pope, um, I guess, from, let's see, 2005 to 2013. And he realized his body was slowing down, and, and he was like the first Pope in many, many years to, to resign. Um, but he died on the 31st, and he died at the monastery where he lived in the Vatican Gardens, right behind St. Peter's Basilica. And he wanted a very simple funeral, and he's been laying in state since January 2nd. He'll be laying in state till the 4th. And his funeral, like I said, would be January the 5th at 9.30 Rome time. And um, Pope Francis will be celebrating um, that in St. Pete, his funeral mass in St. Peter's Square. Wonderful. And this is a very special week. You can also tune into Catholic Community Media. We will have special programming and check us out on social media. We will have uh, a lineup of what you will expect for today and tomorrow. And we'll touch base on that in just a few minutes. But as we continue on with Christine for this week's issue in the Clarion Herald, let's also talk about some spiritual New Year's resolutions we can find this week. Well, we solicited a bunch of people to send in some New Year's resolutions on the theme of hope, witnessing hope to people. And we really have some incredible um, thoughts from a variety of people. Archbishop Emeritus Hughes wrote a little bit about he wants to be um, God's witness to hope. And he was talking about how even in the darkness, you know, God is active powerfully in our lives and he draws us deeper to light. And he, he talked about Pope John Paul II and how he was the witness to hope and everything that he experienced in, in, in his life, you know, serving um, in the Nazi army and then being sick later in his life as well. So that was a big theme, that, that witness to hope that Archbishop Hughes wanted to, to get across. And many other people, too. Um, uh, Dr. Ansel Augustine, who is Black Catholic Ministries head, talked about a family helping the siblings of Bishop Cherie, who is sick, witnessing their love and their faith to their brother during his illness. So it's just such a variety of, of, of people, you know, talking. Like Sister Judy was mentioning, now sometimes we try too hard to be holy. You know, just, just being is a, a blessing. You know, just to live is being holy. So, you know, just that, that theme of hope and and being the light to others, it, it just resonates throughout this whole issue. 
Absolutely. And we'll definitely be checking those out as well. Let's talk about something else we can find in this week's issue of the Clarion Herald and the Archdiocese. Judge Mary Ann Lemon was honored with Loyola University New Orleans 22, a very special award. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, she was a lovely person to interview. Um, I got to interview her a few weeks ago. She's a dedicated mother of six, and she's a Hanville native. And she chose um, to practice law in Hanville to raise her, her family. She, she talked about early on in our interview that when she was little, she only wanted to be a lawyer. That's, that's, that was her thing. She didn't want to be anything else. Her dad was like this big role model to her. And um, she said her parents, even though she was a girl, told her she could do anything she wanted. And that was, had a big, big impact on her. And she went to Loyola undergrad and she went to Loyola Law School. And she said her faith was deep, not only by her family, but also by the Jesuits who taught her throughout her, her college career. And when she was at Loyola, she was only one of two women in her law school class. And she entered law school at 19 years old. So she was just smart, dedicated, and um, she learned her social justice-minded bend by, by the Jesuits to, to be there for others, to help others. And, you know, as she was a senior U.S. District Court judge for the East District of Louisiana, she's just started many, many programs to help youth and, and help others. Mm-hmm, most definitely. We'll definitely be checking that out. I love stories like that. Uh, Christ- Christine, we ended a little bit early today, but I want to hear your favorite story that we can find in this week's issue. Well, you know what? I think like you started off talking about Benedict. I mean, I think we, we could probably mm-hmm. end talking about him, too, because he did so many wonderful things. And Pope Francis, um, like I said, was going to celebrate his funeral. And he called him a wise grandfather. You know, He lived on the same ground mm-hmm. as Pope Francis. <laughs> And um, it, it was just amazing, you know, that he became, he, you know, the Benedict came from, he was born in Germany, Joseph Ratzinger, and he became a knowledgeable theologian. I think that's what he wanted to do in life, just kind of study mm-hmm. and pray and, you know, pray for the world. And when he was tapped Pope, you know, I don't think he, he imagined that he'd be traveling as much as he was and, and reaching so many people that he did. He traveled to six continents in 24 trips, and he led three World Youth Days during his short papacy. I mean, he was, you know, wow. 2005 to 2013 is not a really long time. So he, mm-hmm. he did a lot, and he, he really, being a theologian, he really wanted to work hard to catechize the faithful. I think that was his thing. He just thought people just needed to know what the faith was all about, and he, you know, he worked during Vatican II, and he was a consultant there. And the interesting about him, I wanted to point this out, he chose the name Benedict after Benedict the Fifteenth, and he thought that Benedict the Fifteenth was a courageous prophet of peace during World War One, and he really wanted to bring that harmony among people and reconciliation among people when he, when he was Pope. Benedict did. Wow! So Thank you so to, much for those fun facts. Background in, I don't think I don't think people knew a lot about that because um, when I was reading the stories this week, it was like, wow, you know, we we saw him as you know, kind of a humble. Um, religious mm-hmm. man, but I don't think we knew a lot about that. 
Most definitely. I especially love the unique relationship he had with Pope Francis, especially uh, watching soccer games and Pope Francis holding an Argentinian flag and Pope Benedict holding oh, yeah. his German flag and they're watching soccer games together. And I don't know, it's just so unique and, and humbling and, and such a smile moment. So, Christine, thank you so much. Where can we pick up our copy of the Clarion Herald this week and read more stories online? Well, you can pick it up at any Catholic church. You can pick it up at um, some of the drug stores, some of the grocery stores. Um, just, you know, I, I guess just look for it in, in your church this weekend. Thank you so much, Christine Bordelon, Associate Editor of the Clarion Herald, the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. You can go to clarionherald.org right now to read those stories. Thank you so much, Christine, and a happy new year to you. Thanks to you, Gabby. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Well, we have special programming this week as we remember the life of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Today, following Wake Up, right at 8 a.m. Central Time, we will have a 30-minute rosary for the repose of the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, live from EWTN Chapel. Later on today, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., EWTN Nightly News presents Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI special live from Rome. Special guests will remember him and followed by a local rosary. Now, this is the big one. This is tomorrow, Thursday, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. Central Time. It's the three-hour funeral mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. So you know how we get up early to watch the royal wedding? Well, we can get up early to watch the funeral mass. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I don't know. That's what I do. So Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, that is tomorrow. So 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. And also tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 12.30, it will be the memorial mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, live from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. That's a lot of information I just threw out there, but if you follow us on Facebook or social media, Twitter, Instagram, I will post uh, the schedule on there so you can take a look at that, you can share it, or you can call our studios and we can give that information out to you. Um, so all of this and more, stick around, uh, but we will definitely be keeping everyone up to date on our social media channels, Catholic Community Media is where you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LA Catholic Media on Twitter. So lots of ways to follow us. Alicia joins, or Dina joins Alicia in the Bannard studio when we return from the break. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. morning. It's 35 minutes after the hour. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Community Radio. You're listening to Wake Up. I'm Alicia Quibido with Gabby Smith and with Johnny Abear today on this Wednesday. It's hard for me to remember it's Wednesday. 
Because just our Saturday <laughs> back. I know. It feels like Tuesday, maybe. <laughs> I'm joined in the Baton Rouge studio with Dina Dow. She is the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Good morning, Good Dina. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, Merry everybody. Merry Christmas. It's so great to year. visit with you in this new year. I know. <laughs> and we have hit the ground running. Two of us were out of the office yesterday, giving oh. you know retreats and services for school teachers. So, oh, and wow. I think all, yes. a lot of the children are back in school and the teachers. So, okay. God bless them and all the parents and have a nice relaxing cup of coffee today. (laughs) That's right. right. As the kids were kind of grumbly out the door this morning, I'm sure it's hard to go back after such a long break. It is. It is. But what a reinvigoration, you know, to kind of get some restfulness and, and, you know, be able to get together again. There was a a liveliness in the retreat that I served yesterday. So I was just excited to be back. You know, Gabby was saying there's a lot of hope in this new year. And and I agree with her, too. And I mean, you know, the beginning of our retreat yesterday, Yesterday, we literally started in silence, which is one of the things I wanted to talk about yes. today. That is so hard for me. I know. <laughs> it's all for all Italians, Sicilians, and French people, I think. You know, but it's serious, though. Um, you know, we started out literally with a bang. I mean, there was so much fireworks in yeah. our neighborhood, oh even though goodness, it's not permitted. Crazy. Within the city limits. And so there's a lot of people kind of grumbling about that. But then I found that the next morning, you know, New Year's morning, it was just really haltingly quiet and I just yes. kind of giggled and I thought you know this is the way that you know we can really hear the voice of God is in the silence yeah and it's not necessarily the exterior noise right the exterior mm-hmm. silence but it's that inner silence yes where we can find those moments and silence you know Mother Teresa St. Mother Teresa says that silence is um, the fruit of silence is prayer mm-hmm. and that's where we grow in our relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. you know and so that's a really important thing Gabby was talking about New Year's resolutions yes so one of the gifts that we can give ourselves is the gift of interior silence where we can just balance out the exterior noise and silence ourselves interiorly and That's listen to the voice of God. Easier yeah. said than done. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, easier said than done. Okay, give us some some quick little tips on how um, how to our our world is so noisy and busy. Yes, yes. and yeah. so busy. And I know any time that I sit down and don't have a task in front of me, my mind is going with the right. task that I should be doing. Right? Oh, there's laundry in the dryer. Yeah. You know what I mean? there's just oh, I do to that do. too. I know I do that too because there's always a task at hand. Yes. But the greatest task at hand, you know, I firmly believe is is building a relationship with God, yes. which leads us to build a relationship with others. So good kind of opportunities to find some interior your silence is just to schedule it to really take the time to schedule it we schedule ourselves for everything else Mm -hmm. so schedule time you know i I know our computer we have this little program and it says okay learning time or listening time or take a break you know so for 10 minutes shut the door put the phone on do not disturb Mm -hmm. and then just shut out the the exterior noise and enter into that interior silence you can actually find spaces for silence too to just to kind of get away take a walk find an adoration chapel nearby you know or go into a conference room or wherever you work yeah school teachers it's harder they laughed at me yesterday to try to find silence i I said well then practice silence with your students yeah you know help them enter into that interior silence idea yeah so it's different ways for different people arrive at mass early yeah and sit in the front because some people kind of chat a little bit at the the entrance of the church i know but that's okay because they're greeting people that's right but have the respectful student and people are trying to find that interior silence and yeah. just really hear the voice of God. 
Yeah, that is, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And something I think I think it's something to strive for. I think yeah. it's something, you know, like you mentioned, even if you schedule it, even if you make that time, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be hard in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because your yeah. mind is going to continue to be racing and thinking right. of your tasks. Right. So when you get distracted, you pull that back in. Right. Yes. Focus. And, you know, so mantras like come Lord Jesus, yes. come Lord, come Holy Spirit. You know, just kind of breathe in, come, mm-hmm. and then let out, Holy Spirit, come, Lord Jesus, and just settle and refocus back in, unto Jesus Christ. Which, you mm-hmm. know, I think segueing into what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth mm-hmm. left for us, um, I would like to think that this gentleman spent a lot of time in interior silence. Oh, I bet, yes. Um, and, I you agree. know, and, and really hearing people sing his praises and reiterate, I'd forgotten how much he was a part of my graduate school studies because he was Pope when I was in graduate school. So professors were all leaned in on his writings as as Cardinal Ratzinger. And so when I went on my bookshelf yesterday to see, oh, where are my old books, you know, from Cardinal Ratzinger and Pope Benedict, I had like 10 books on my shelf, which I brought today. You brought with you, yes. And Um. what I love most about him and his impact on evangelization and catechesis is the fact that he wrote about so many different things at a depth so deep that some people are like, I'm not going to read that. Mm-hmm. That is so deep. <laughs> but if you stick with it, with halting patience and prayer, mm-hmm. he will get through the theological foundations, which are so necessary mm-hmm. for us to be able to to really like stand firm on the faith while at the opportunity to make it personal, too. Oh. So that was kind of his style of writing. So sometimes he reiter- reiterates on a deeper level, deeper level. And then he gets to this personal point of like, this is what this means for us as the faithful. So his impact on catechesis is still going to be unfolded through the years. There's no way that we can disseminate all that he wrote. We're still disseminating the three previous pipes from him before him. And so, but you know, the books that I have just right here on Mary, on the communion of the church, on, um, oh gosh, he was such a great historian. He wrote a lot about Uh, the church doctors and the church fathers, women of the church. The spirit of the liturgy is one of the finest documents I've ever read on the liturgy and the appreciation of how we worship that leads us to Jesus Christ. A document, um, the Eucharist, the heart Uh, of the life, one on the apostles. And this one, interestingly, on eschatology, mm -hmm. which is, that's your theological term for the day. And that's the study of, of death you know, mm-hmm. and resurrection. So the last four things. Yes. And it's so interesting that, you know, the things that we profoundly, you know, sometimes don't really want to address, he just dove in wow. and he gives us such foundations that are built upon what John Paul II has left behind us for us and and the previous two pontificates. So I, I really believe that, you know, just this whole generation of popes that we've had that have come through and this is how I describe it. It's not theological. It's just Dina's personal insight. <laughs> I believe that Pope John the Twenty-Third, Saint John the Twenty-Third, opened those doors for us to be able to embrace our faith fully and deeply, and invited us into a deeper encounter with Christ through Scripture, through mm-hmm. studies, through opportunities to study. And then Pope Paul the Sixth was like, "Okay, did you hear that? Okay, well then let's talk about the foundations of life and the importance of being in the modern world and evangelization and going out and doing that." Mm-hmm. John Paul II took all of that and, you know, through the inspiration of, of Cardinal Ratzinger at the time, uh, you know, really instigated the, um, the new catechism oh, that yes. we have that was promulgated. And then, you know, furthering in, Pope St. John Paul II, you know, really just kind of spread the foundations of faith. 
Mm-hmm. And Pope Benedict came in and was like, okay, did you hear that? Let's take a deeper dive. Oh, yes. And now Pope Francis is like, okay, did you hear that? <laughs> okay, let's go out. Yes. So, yes. you know, Gabby and Christine were talking about how John Paul II was seen as a witness of hope. Mm-hmm. Well, I see Pope Benedict as a witness of faith, yes. you know, really digging in foundations of faith. And then I see Pope Francis as that witness of love. Yes. You know, so there's three virtues that you can Mm -hmm. really pull out from these, you know, three incredible, amazing, you know, uh, gosh, successors of St. Peter. Yeah. It's such a gift. And I really just offer people that opportunity to dive deeper into uh, uh, Benedict's legacy that he's left behind. So let's, so, so we know, you know, that, that it is deep and I love that you explained to us his writing style. If someone hasn't read Anything from Pope Benedict XVI or uh, Cardinal Ratzinger? Yeah. Do you have a favorite that might be a good place for a lay person has, to start? Yeah, he has a, a book on the life of Christ. You know, Jesus of Nazareth. I would mm-hmm. start there. Jesus of Nazareth. He yeah. is so beautiful at unveiling Scripture for us. So I would I would start there and be patient with it. And I, I gave my father that book, and he's like, "Wow!" <laughs> and he reads everything. I said, "No, just stick with it, Dad, stick because you know it. what? It's going to be a." light of Christ for us and it leads us you know to that eternal destination so God bless him Dina Dow Director of Evangelization and Catechesis for the Diocese of Baton Rouge thanks so much for joining us check out the diocese at diobr.org stick around Philip Campbell joins us to talk about his book Matron of Paris the story of Saint Genevieve of Paris it's 15 minutes before the hour on wake up Well, a Merry Christmas to you. Hey, got a New Year's resolution idea for you. Tell someone about Catholic Community Media. <laughs> That's, put it on your list of things to do. So uh, we are trying to uh, get on the phone uh, uh, the author of a series of from the story of civilization, Philip Campbell. Not sure we'll be able to get him this morning, but we're working on it. In the meantime, guys, I know there's a lot still going on with respect to even locally, right? Uh, with That's respect right. to Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. That's right. That's yeah, right, so Johnny. Fill us in. Mm-hmm. Well, tomorrow, uh, Bishop Michael Duca, the Bishop of uh, the Diocese of Baton Rouge, will preside over a memorial mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict, Benedict the Sixteenth. That's tomorrow, Thursday, January 5th. That will be at noon at St. Joseph Cathedral on Main Street in downtown Baton Rouge. The public is invited. Uh, the mass will also be televised on Cox Channel 15, Roku, uh, Fire TV, Facebook, and on YouTube. So you can find out more at diobr.org. That's the Diocese of Baton Rouge website. You can also check out their Facebook page. That's the Catholic Diocese of Baton Rouge. There's some more information about that, remembering Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth. Yes, most yeah, you know, definitely. Go ahead, Johnny. I was going to say, you know, yeah, Dina was mentioning these books. I, I was actually in uh, with, uh, regarding uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict, but uh, I was actually in the middle of reading Joseph Pierce's book on, on Pope Benedict called The Defender of the Faith. Uh, I was reading that and when this news came across. And I, I tell you, uh, I think a lot of people, well, I, I think that in the years ahead, people are going to look back and this uh, pope is going to... And, uh, emerge as one of the most powerful influences 
on the church of this era. Uh, one of these, because uh, his writings, as Dina was talking, were so expansive, but so deep. Yes. So anyway, we, uh, I, agree with I, you. I think that uh, lots of resources. There, so say, stay <laughs> tuned in. Speaking of, uh, speaking of people who uh, may not know everything about them, uh, we're, we are uh, glad to have with us this morning, Philip Campbell. Now, so uh, Philip is the author of a series, if you have older children at home, called The Story of Civilization. And so Philip is following up with that series with a new book called The Matron of Paris, The Story of St. Genevieve of Paris. So if you're not familiar with St. Genevieve, I think you're about to be very pleasantly surprised. Good morning, Philip. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to have you on this morning. So let's, let's get started. Tell us about this Saint, St. Genevieve, because I think not too many people are very familiar with her, but wow, what a story. Go ahead. Yeah, that's unfortunate, because there's a ton of Genevieves you meet out there in the Catholic world. <laughs> you know, that's right. Very popular <laughs> yeah. name. Um, right. so, uh, so Genevieve is a saint that lived in uh, very early medieval France at the time when France was transitioning from the Roman Empire to uh, to the Middle Ages. She was a nun, and um, she was involved in all sorts of things. It's hard to summarize what uh, what she did, but she was a very pivotal person in the early, uh, early Frankish kingdom. She constructed churches. She helped relieve the city of Paris during uh, during famines and sieges. She was influential with, uh, with kings and, and bishops. She was one of these religious characters you occasionally encounter in the history of the church, where they seem like they just want to, they just want to go somewhere and pray, but they somehow find themselves enmeshed in all the goings on of the world, and and God ends up using them to be very, uh, very pivotal characters for the history of their place and time. So, um, it's a very, uh, a very inspiring story. She accomplished quite a bit in her life. Yeah, this was one of the most turbulent times in in uh, in history, and uh, she she did bump into a lot of. Uh, monumental figures. Tell us about some of the folks that she encountered and her effect on on them. Yeah, well, gosh, um, I guess I should say before we talk about that, that the book is historical fiction, so not everything you read in the book actually happened. A lot of it I had to fill in the details with my own imagination. Um, For example, in in the book I have her encounter St. Patrick, um, which is possible because St. Patrick was a uh, he was in uh, in France at the time that I placed him there, and he was training under the person that I put him in the book, so it's possible they could have met. But that was just a connection that I wanted to draw because that would be fun. But <laughs> she was uh, she was involved with um, with Saint Germanus of Auxerre, who was a very very renowned bishop of early France. He was the one who realized she had a vocation of the religious life when he saw a, a glowing orb above her head during mass, and he called her oh, out afterwards. Wow. And, spoke to her, and she was only eight years old, um, and she eventually ended up pursuing religious life. So she was a, a protege of St. Germanus, who was also the tutor, the mentor of St. Patrick of Ireland. Um, she was deeply involved with the first Christian king of France, King Clovis, who, uh, who converted to Christianity at the end of the 5th century, uh, as well as his wife, Queen Clotilda, who is also a, a saint, um, a Burgundian princess. So she's involved with these two, uh, and also St. Remigius, who was probably one of the greatest bishops of northern France and uh, and the one who baptized the first king of France. So she's right there in this pivotal period when 
the pagan Franks are, are turning Christian. You bet. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, we are talking uh, uh, with Philip Campbell, and the book is Matron of Paris, the story of St. Genevieve of Paris. Uh, Philip, what age group are we talking about here? I think you, you know, your, your story of civilization was age 10 and older, but uh, what uh, age group would this be appropriate? Yeah, this book, this book, I would say, it, it does deal with some mature themes. There's, there's themes of grief and loss and death because it's such a chaotic time. There's, a, you know, there's plague and warfare and stuff like that. Um, I'd, I'd say, yeah, I'd say definitely 10 and up, maybe even 11 or 12. <laughs> um, it is an intense book. I don't know if you guys read it, but it's, uh, it's fairly intense in many places. So, um, definitely not, uh, not children who are, are squeamish about reading about, uh, themes of uh, loss or grief. Okay. Excellent. And I understand it's beautifully illustrated. Where could, where can we get a copy of the book? Uh, it's published through TAN, so you can get it on the TAN website, or I believe they are up on Amazon as well. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much, uh, Phil. Uh, keep up the work uh, of educating all of us and, and our children on these great uh, monumental saints uh, and the involvement of the church all through history. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Philip. Merry Christmas, and thanks for letting me come on here and share my love of Genevieve with you guys. Wonderful. All right. Matron of Paris, the story of the St. Genevieve of Paris through Tan Books. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's, yeah, go ahead. We're going to um, go out in a prayer this morning. As uh, Let's do that in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we journey toward our own epiphany to meet your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, grant us the wisdom, the strength, and the desire to seek you in all things to recognize your face in the world, to abide with you in times of darkness, and to proclaim the truth of our faith. Just as the Bethlehem star of wonder led many to the hope that is in you, raise from among us shining examples such as St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, and St. Genevieve of Paris to show us the way. We pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Johnny. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thomas Jacoby joins us. He's the editor of the book, How I Became a Man. David Dawson Jr. also joins us from the Diocese of Homewood Thibodeau to talk marriage and family life. And Michael Borg with St. Vincent de Paul in New Orleans will update us on their needs and volunteering right after wake up in about two minutes. Uh, we will have a rosary for the repose of the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI live from the EWTN Chapel. Later on today from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., EWTN News Nightly presents Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI special live from Rome with special guests followed by a local rosary. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.